Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Mr. Green. And I'm your host, Noel John Toohey. And we got Will Johnson in the studio, and this is Dark Side of the Moon. Let's get to it, motherfuckers. Will yes. in the house. Will in the house. So, Will, yes. tell the folks who you are, what you do, and then we uh, talk about why we brought you here. Well, for the first time <laughs> ever. Stand alone, man. We I'm talking time. about something that I really like, because um, this, is, this is, it's a very lonely existence. <laughs> uh, but I am, I am the world's only Hawkeye <laughs> fan, uh, in terms of the character. Uh, I think the show did pretty well, but basically any chance I get to talk about uh, Ant-Man or Hawkeye or you know, Falcon or more of the street level heroes. I'm going to take it. So uh, I invited myself on the show because I said, look, I'm tired of doing the Incredible Hulk. I'm tired of doing the worst Iron Man film. I'm tired of doing the worst MCU well, film. Do part sure. three. Part three is the worst Iron Man movie by Longstreet. That's Well, that's not only incredibly false. Because uh, <laughs> uh, it's brilliant. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I haven't done it. And why I'm not invited, because I'm also the, the world's only Iron Man 3 fan, <laughs> is, is, a, is a question. But, no, Hawkeye is very near and dear to me. And uh, I love the show. I think the show... It's been a great year for me, for my characters, because I'm a huge Falcon fan. I love Sam Wilson as Captain America as well in the comics. So I got to have a whole show about Falcon and I got to have a whole show about Hawkeye. I mean, I could not be in a happier place as a nerd this year with Disney Plus shows. Um, So, yeah, Hawkeye is to me like I think one of their best, you know, in terms of all the content that came out this year from Marvel, which I think maybe nine or ten things. I'm not sure exact on the exact number. I think five shows and four movies. So nine, maybe. Um, I think Hawkeye is up there probably with Spider-Man is the best. And uh, well, that's tough because I love Shang-Chi and I love Falcon the Winter Soldier. So it's really tough to pick a favorite, but Hawkeye's up there as, as a success to me Yeah, uh, in terms of a show. So thank you for having me on to talk about it. Awesome. Um, you know, when I, I rewatched uh, Hawkeye for this episode and I only watched last December, incredibly rewatchable show. I just, it's pure joy. Is like, and that's what Marvel gave to us in December. They gave us absolute pure joy as nerds or comic book fans or MCU fans because on the back of Hawkeye, we got in Spider Man No Way Home, and like it's just pure the, the best type of fan service. That's what both of those shows were. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's just like having Kingpin. And it, it can be such a thin line, they've got so good mm. at it that we started taking it for granted. Yeah, um, I really do believe that. I really do believe that um, that we've started yeah. taking for granted. Like we've started, it's 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 just like we've tasted caviar, and then we're like, oh well, now everything needs to taste like caviar. And some poor fucker in the kitchen kind of went, well, that was fucking fantastic, yeah. and it, and he's just absolutely delivering, delivering. And now we're like, yeah, now that that's just what food tastes like. And, and, plus, and I really do. Can plus, I just the one thing that I, I said this? I said this to Vinny even before you came on, Will, and long before we were recording, was that um after uh. One division after Loki, um, and especially just after the absolute scope and height of Endgame and all of that, um, I like a street level superhero. I like somebody who who literally could needs to like, can actually fight guys, uh, muggers in an alley or what have you. Mm. And that's not Thanos, you know. That's not um, the Hulk or or that, and certainly not Wanda and or anything like that. So I love that. And I thought now they just kind of got back to its roots and actually just start having a little bit of fun. 
because there is a lot of fun to be had inside of the Hawkeye kind of power set yeah. and scope. And uh, I thought, wow, just just grounded it. And I was just, I remember just watching it. I felt there was no, there was nothing for me to worry too much about how it ties into all of the other properties. Yeah. Not that it doesn't, it, it massively does. And it has, you know, the, the introduction of Kingpin and stuff like that. It massively does. But at the same time, it wasn't like, oh, and now all of those other timelines have been erased and Kang, and now we have them, but now Loki. But we have to remember that none of this has happened. But this did happen. No, 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 none of that. This is yeah. just a street level, beat them up, shoot them up. Christmas uh, in New York. Of, and it was, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. And I think it was exactly the right thing. Playing strings like, in Arrowmobiles. But yeah, but you know what? Like, let's just say Italian isn't your favorite. Uh, but you have you've had what a X, Y, and Z for the last week and a half, two or three weeks, and now it's exactly what you want. Yeah, even though it's not your number one, even it's exactly what you want. As in, that's what the flavor of the day should be. Yeah. I thought it was delivered so spectacularly, yeah. and then it was straight into Spider Man. Yeah, and I thought, yeah. wow, which, oh, which wow, dudes, which also, and I'll talk about this with Hawkeye and the MCU Phase Four in general. The great thing about Spider-Man was that it it felt epic and inter-multiversal, but it still also felt very personal. Because like at the end of Spider-Man, like he's almost back to being street level, like yeah. he was in the comics. Yes, this, this is this is the strength in. We see this. There's two other major popular franchises going on right now in the cultural consciousness. There's Star Wars and Fast and the Furious. Right. Mm. It's almost like with fast and furious it's like as the series goes on they start stripping elements away and streamline it into the point where you're like oh it's a fast and furious film you know like you're like you're gonna get a b c and d no more nuance no more gray nothing it's just gonna be this no more reality and 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 star and star wars is so indebted to its past that it can't escape it yeah and and that's when fan service is used as a negative because it's just it's doing fan service after fan service it's not a it's not appealing to the story. What Marvel is doing, and this is what I love, is, and despite all the cineists out there saying that there's no stakes and all this stuff, what Phase 4 has done so far, in small ways and big ways, is take what has happened to the characters and show how it has affected them. So we're not only getting different stories now. I mean, I mean when you think about the, the wide breadth of stories we've got in Phase 4, Everything from Shang-Chi being almost like a traditional origin story to Loki being multiversal and all over the place. The heart of all these stories has been just like the heart of Marvel Comics. It has been what is happening to these characters on a personal level. And one thing that I really love about all these stories, no matter how big it gets in the third act or no matter how many monsters show up or whatever, you're dealing with Wanda's grief. You're dealing with Vision trying to figure out where does he fit in the world. You're Mm. dealing with Sam Wilson trying to figure out, "Do do, do I deserve this shield? You're dealing with Bucky trying to figure out what world do I belong in because I'm 110 years old. Hawkeye dealing with the death of so many people and trying to balance family and being being a celebrity hero. But it's both at the same time. It's both sides of the coin at the same time. And that's the hardest thing in the world to do. Yeah, I do agree with you there because it is because it's also this huge scope and this fantastical thing that is just essentially like opening up a fairy tale book and having it spring to life. and, And also kind of like saying yeah but like inside of that absolutely yeah. fantastical thing and we all agree it is fantastical is that a human being faced with that would have very human being reactions to it yes yeah 
that there is loss. So if I was able to bring back, uh, I I mean, uh, if I was able to bring back, if I lost my fiance, I was able to bring her back, I would. But if it wasn't real, then I'd have to deal with the complications of that. It's fantastical. Of course it is. But there's real life psychology you can still apply to these things. And that's good fucking storytelling. I don't care what scope you put it in. Well, I think um, Marvel do really well is that not only do they do for the audience, but they do for the characters is that at the exact moment, they always know exactly what to give that character character what that character needs in that exact moment and it's it's an issue that maybe they had a little bit with Eternals they were a bit unsure what to do with those characters in certain moments and that's where it was a little lacking but if you look at like the Hawkeye or if you look at a Wanda or if you look at a Loki they look at that character they look at their development they look at the progression from the previous movies previous appearances they've made and they go what do they need right now to progress them in the direction we need them to progress into. And they've done that almost flawlessly over 30 movies and several TV series at the moment. And I think that's what Hawkeye really was, is exactly what Clint Barton needed in that moment. He needed to feel like he actually had worth again. That like he right. like he never felt heroic, but in that moment, it, like with Kate, it, like he is like he kind of got to see himself through her eyes. And that was the exact thing that he needed. He needed to feel like he actually mattered and that his uh, not only his actions matter, but like the fact that he can actually go there and he can actually bring good into the world still. And he is not like the Ronin. He's not his skeletons in his closet, that he still has a lot of good to give into the world. And that all kind of manifested in his relationship with Kate Bishop. And that's what I loved about that show, you know? Well, it, this is why I get frustrated when people say this is like factory assembly line story. Yeah, I know, right? Because there's there's actually layers upon layers here. There's, there's I mean, not only do you have the, I mean... Uh, levels of trying to build a universe and and matching what's released and what you said when and I mean there's a, there's that complexity, but like for instance they are there's like all this meta commentary going on too like two things I really loved about the Hawkeye series amongst many things that I loved about it um, one is in the universe they comment on the same things from different angles because. In Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we have a scene where you have a black person who can't get a bank loan, despite being a famous figure. He still gets harassed by police. He still has the problems that everyday African-Americans have in America, right? On the flip side of that, and this is very apparent in Hawkeye, and I think they did this intentionally, is you have a white superhero who everywhere he goes, he gets a free meal. Everywhere he goes, he gets a picture taken of him. Everywhere he goes, he is praised, even though he is, quote unquote, the least favorite Avenger. And then another complex story point is they take the real world discourse about Hawkeye, you know, that he is like everyone's least favorite Avenger and no one cares. And they actually play that into his character development. Kate Bishop's like, you need better branding. You need people to recognize you more. You need this. Like they actually take the audience expectations and use them to propel the storytelling i mean to me those three things i just mentioned the universe building commenting within your own universe about the different levels of celebrity and race and commenting on how the public views your fictional character that is very complex intricate writing i mean that is something that takes a lot of brains and effort to put together And so when people are like, oh, just another boring factory assembly line, I'm like, I don't think you realize the talent that has to go in to creating something like this on this level. I mean, it's, this is, yeah, it's an assembly line, but guess what? Assembly line makes your cars and that helps you drive and get places. Like, 
it's not like an assembly line is putting together cars in a a slipshod way and you're just driving clunkers down the street. Like the fact that they are producing miracles of technology that gets you from one state or one country to another in one day (laughs) is astounding. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so we have to like flip the script a little bit on how we view these things. It's, it's because when you say, when you say assembly line, people view it in a negative way. When you can say assembly assembly line, you can say, well, because they make an assembly line, they usually have become really good at making things yeah. in that way. Like, you know, so like, that's what I think. Like, if you want to say a Marvel is an assembly line, yeah, it's a top quality assembly line that doesn't yeah. make just one product. It makes many different products. It might use the one assembly line to make them, but it makes many different products. It makes them molds them in many different ways. Like you look at like Eternals and like that came out like a month before Hawkeye, completely different genres, both superhero movies, granted completely different genres. That's what Marvel does. And that's why I think superhero movies will last because all the subgenres contained within the actual genre of comic book or super or superhero movie. Yeah. And that, and that, and this is why, and I and I know some of my friends out there are going to get mad at me, but um, this is why I always talk shit about Age of Ultron, my least favorite MCU film. Uh, we talked about this in the Eternals episode. They it was very reactionary, a lot of reactionary stuff. Uh, so they were they were not making choices for the characters that fit the characters. They were making choices that fit the audience expectation. But also, like you said, one thing that you said Marvel has done really well is giving the characters the right stuff at the right time. And that's why I don't like Age of Ultron because it essentially ignores all of Captain America's background and especially ignores all of Iron Man's. Like the whole point of Iron Man 3 was for him to finally make peace with the fact that he doesn't need, and this is this leads to the lesson in Spider-Man Homecoming, he doesn't need the reactor in his heart to be Iron Man or to be a hero. Yeah. And he literally chucks it into the ocean and he gets surgery. He then shows up in Age of Ultron. He's still got the thing in his chest. You don't know why or how it was constructed. And they're just like, he's Iron Man. Don't worry about it. Like, like let's not, let's ignore that character development Yeah, and just have him be Iron Man. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like this character has progressed from in his trilogy to a different place. And then you yeah. just ignored that. So when they've messed that up, they have messed it up. But I would say for the most part, yes, they have nailed it with this. And I think, Instead of making Hawkeye, I mean, obviously the, the the final episode is very action-packed, but what I really loved about the show was this isn't about, and it, Marvel has never really been about this, it's not about the suit and the skills, it's about the person in the costume. Yeah. And this this movie, this movie, this show has Jeremy Renner, first of all, acting his balls off in, in ways that people don't appreciate. I, yeah. I, I've always... So I've always exhausted been, in it too. I've, I love that. I've, yeah, I've always been frustrated with people that like loud showy performances and assume that subtle, quiet performances aren't real mm. because... He is not the quippy. He has, he has some very funny lines, but like he's not the quippy, perfect hero in this one. He's mostly frustrated. He's depressed. He's sad. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's kind of lost, even he's though he's traumatized. got people around him. He's traumatized. Like to me, like that is some, like it's so nice to see because we've come so far from, and I'm sorry I'm talking so much, but this is why I think Marvel succeeds as well is because when you look at a Tony Stark, you look at a Star-Lord, one of my all-time favorite characters in the MCU. Uh, you look at Mark Ruffalo, you look at Thor. Yeah. These are characters that feel things, they cry, they hurt. They actually have dimensions to them. And with Hawkeye here, it's like, no, we're not just going to show like him doing all kinds of fancy trick shots. Like we're going to show how this character was a few. Sure. Sure. But yeah. you know, it's that, that isn't the essence of what the character is. No, it, no, yeah. no, no, no. It, it meant, 
it kind of did like a better version of the what character Age, of him. It kind of did a better version of what Age of Ultron tried to do was humanize him. Like yes. really show us what he really is about and he's about his family. Like that scene with Echo, like when he takes off the mask, the Ronin mask, and he shows her his face and he says to her, I wanted you to see my face because I wanted mm-hmm. you to know if anybody comes after my family, it comes after me. Like I just love the, the intensity in that moment. And he's, that's Clint Barton. Like that's not that's not Hawkeye talking there. That's not Ronan talking. That's Clint Barton, and he's saying, "You come after my family, I will fucking kill you. I will like I will set your world on fire. I don't give a fuck who you are. Like you can come out, you come after me. That's one thing. You come after my family, I will fucking destroy your world. Yeah. And I just love that moment where you kind of see what the man behind the mask, if you will, that you kind of really see what 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 made Clint Barton Hawkeye in the first place. That intensity, right. you know, that that real appreciation for human life and what yeah. the ones he holds dear. And that's what he really that's what motivates him. And that's what I love about it. Like, and throughout the show, because he actually becomes more attached to Kate Bishop, that she motivates him more and more and more. And that allows him to kind of get back in touch with the Clint he was before he was traumatized by Natasha's sacrifice in um in Infinity War. So like I just think like you have all those th- th- those kind of different elements and like that shows you really what Clint Barton is. And I know Age of Ultron kind of tried to do it, but felt a bit shoehorned in and we lost a lot of valuable screen time in an ensemble movie that's supposed to be really about the epicness of the scale in terms of when you compare it to the other Avengers movies that preceded and came after it. It's the weakest one by far because there's a little bit too much focus on the wrong things. But if you look at this here, the character development they did with Clint Barton and the show, his relationship with his wife, uh, played by Linda Cardinelli, and the show that how he's traumatized by the death of Natasha. And you see his budding, budding relationship with his kind of new protege. And it shows you all the different elements of the character that he feels love, he feels loss, but he's also open to kind of sharing his knowledge. And as I said, in, in the he's battle worn in a very physical way. I think it's yeah. worth not to interject on your on your um, stream of consciousness there because I think you're spot on. But he's actually also battle worn, yeah. unlike a Hulk. Who, well, I know Hulk's whole arm thing, but like unlike a Hulk who could have a building drop on him, he's battle worn. Well, Hulk's battle worn in his mind. I think people have to remember that. About yeah, Hulk. yeah. Uh, no, I give no. I'm, I'm just saying, but he actually is. And it was very funny the way they said, "What happened to your hero?" It was, just, <laughs> it was a great little. Uh, little but I love that, and and uh, I my um fiance um hasn't watched it, and she always just said that she wasn't a big fan of Jeremy Renner. She's not as big a Marvel or or she's not a big as nerd me in, in horror terms. After. Yeah, in horror terms, she'd probably even leave me in the dust, and I'm a huge horror guy. But but she was just like, no, I don't really care. And I said, look, I really think it should watch because I I honestly God think it really grounds the character. Yep. And it does, you know, as in you have to watch it to really appreciate. Yeah. But I, I always thought that this again, this was his chance to act and not just be like a wise cracking. Like you said, uh, you met you made a brilliant point in our last podcast, Will was that um they met him like they didn't know what to do with his character so they met him mindless because of Loki or whatever in the first yeah. Avengers film and then you could use his power set his skill set for great action pieces yeah. which is inherent Make uh, him a top not, level car- not, not develop the yeah of course but not develop the character Yeah, uh, and you would have a built in mechanism to do that And uh, but this they just built it and built it and built it he was tortured he was watching that play I thought that was, I always thought that was great he was looking at Ant-Man going he wasn't there you know, yeah, yeah, he yeah. wasn't there. Yeah, you know, oh, that was I, that was great. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, you just realized that he was just kind of like aging out Avenger. Uh, and he, again, even when he did the uh, LARPing. Yeah, that's amazing. No, of course, he was absolutely laying ways to dudes, but like yeah. it was it was actually like a really cool Marvel action scene in, yeah. in this yeah. weird kind of way. Yeah. And I thought it was just in this really endearing, lovely way. And and I, nothing else. You'll never see it again. That was such a unique storytelling device that only Hawkeye used. And I also got, thought it was the, I guess you could say sending off that I think Cliff Martin deserves, especially when he's the only Avenger that was like, you know, like, he'll be back. Well, he's not. I think he was left. Back. Yeah, he, he. Oh no, he'll be back. But like, he's definitely. Well, a torch was passed. I mean, you're not going to fight me on that, are you? No, no. A but torch I, was definitely I, passed. Even though he, even though he'll be back, I think they kind of hinted that she'll be the next Hawkeye because at the end she's like Lady Hawk. Do you think so? Yeah, but you know what I mean, though. She was like Lady Hawk, Lady Aaron. He goes, "I've got a better idea," and the word Hawkeye literally comes up. On yeah. Oh yeah. No. Like, yeah. Hawkeye. Yeah. 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 And this is, and we were talking about how they managed to make a big universe but keep it personal. And, mm. and they've been slowly but surely building the Young Avengers this year. I mean, you've met uh, Wanda Maximoff's kids who are Young Avengers. You've met um, what's his name? Do they still there. exist? What's that? They don't. Exist. Do they still exist? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, because you hear them at the end of at the very end. Sorry, even as I asked the question, it was just that mom, yeah. mom, and yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's the very, then, very last second. Yeah. And then um, you meet. Uh, I can't remember his name in the comics. You might know Noel. The the he's. Um, God, I, it's escaping me, but um, he's what like the he? the little kid Captain America. Uh, is Patriot is that his name or whatever? They've they've introduced oh, him. Oh yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. They've introduced. Um, they've already introduced uh, Cassie from Ant Man, who would be a young Avenger, and now they've introduced Kate Bishop, who would be probably a leader of the young Avengers. So they've done some world building without making it obvious that they're world building, you know, and, and I definitely think she's Hawkeye. I, th- I think, I think Renner is going to be kind of, I'm trying to think of a character. I'm sure it exists somewhere. where like, like old Bruce Wayne to Terry McGinnis in Batman Beyond. Yeah, kind of exactly. Thing. Like someone will like, he's going to pop up like as like the, the wise sage to help a character I don't, I honestly do not think Jeremy Renner is back in any capacity as the action Hawkeye. I think he will have like those fun little cameo roles you'll see every now and then where he'll be like, oh, hey, Kate, I'm going to help you out with this or something. Like, I, I do think his his reign as Hawkeye is concluded in this yeah. show. I, I honestly think it is. Um, yeah. I'm glad they didn't kill him, <laughs> but uh he made it home for Christmas, but uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I do think that he will fade into the background. Just like I think that they're, he'll be her Tony, pretty much. He'll be her mentor. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm really trying to think of a character that, like, I always do Star Trek references, but you know, like <laughs> every every now and then, like Troy would show up in Voyager for an episode or two, or Barkley would show up or something, and Mister Words of Wisdom. Yeah, they, they they wouldn't be like essential to the overall story, but they would just you'd be like, oh, there's a little connection to the universe I like, you know, yeah. like. So I, I could see that happening with Renner. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think, uh, I think he's done. Yeah, I hope. In a magical, this is magical. Oh, a lot more than yeah. your shows. It, yeah, it's so warm. Yeah. It's really it was fun. warm. Yeah. Uh, it was It was funny. Um, the tracksuit mafia was fucking funny. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. You remember where... Uh, What's around, sorry, bro? Uh, <laughs> sorry, Haley Steinfield played... Kate Bishop. Give me your first name. Kate Bishop. 
uh, where she was fighting the guy and goes, oh, I took your advice and I brought my wife. <laughs> oh, well, how did it go? You know, I, I, went to I should hate it. I should hate it. And I, I usually do hate shit like that, but no, didn't. You, mm. you got me, you son of a bitch. Because you the show, me, you know? it fitted in the show. That's why, because the show it itself. It did. It's yeah, like, the, the tone. The yeah, tone was it there. Did, it, it took itself seriously when it needed to, and at times it just alleviated that pressure a little bit. That's what it did, yeah. because it remembered that it, it, at the end of the day, it's an action-adventure season picture or a show so the, you don't want people to be too depressed around Christmas time so they're like we're going to hit those heavy beats and then every now and again we're going to use Kate as a bit of comedic relief or we're going to get Yelena in and we're going to have her just chew up the scenery and you're just going to mm. alleviate that tension we're still going to cover serious topics like how she's trying to avenge her sister's death but we're going to put it in a scene that's kind of quite light to the touch in a sense because it's just two people sitting at a table eating mac and cheese or whatever you know but, but it's shifted I always say um, I always go if to go nuclear to make a point so that it could just be understood. I would always go to the second Transformers film. It was such a gigantic pile of garbage mm. that <laughs> yes. with that when it would try to like it had these super racist Transformers that turned into an ice cream truck when they were together and it had all this kind of shit and then it tried to um like it was so stupid and then they tried to kill off Optimus Prime and then it was like slow motion and it was like Optimus yeah and, no. and I was supposed to care but it hadn't but it hadn't managed my yeah. emotions up to that point where it had earned its gravitas yeah. and earned its comedic relief it hadn't yeah fuck it it was an awful film yeah. But with Hawkeye, I felt like it tried to go like from let's just say so very like very sad to, to very lighthearted. But like but I've never seen I've there's few things I can think of that 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 ping ponged between the two things so quickly. But every time it worked, because they managed to work the fact that he's like he's he's growing deafness and how it was inferring with his ability to to to, to um, communicate with his own family against the fact that he couldn't leave this girl because if he did, he would be doing the wrong thing. Mm. And, and, and then there was a lot of comedic kind of relief in, involved in the middle of uh, where he's talking to his son and he's, he's hearing aids fucked. And uh, uh, so, so um, you thought that seems funny. Is, it was heartbreaking. No, but it was, it was, it was kind of bored to me mm. because it was just, that was their dynamic. Now, now they were relying on each other in this yeah. kind of way that was just kind of, to me, and I suppose the word I'd be looking for here is just entertaining. As in they yeah. had all of it. They yeah, actually yeah. had, again, uh, what we talked about in our last podcast, honest to fuck chemistry. Yeah. Oh, the cast is perfect. Actual the cast was perfect. Chemistry. Like Hayley Stengfeld. As Kate Bishop, uh, we had Florence Pugh coming back as uh, Yelena Belova, as uh, Alacqua Fox, uh, or Cox, sorry, played Echo. Um, like you had a uh, return of Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin, Vera Farmiga. Like you have Jeremy Renner coming back, Linda Cardellini. Is it Cardellini or Cardellini? Cardellini. 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 Uh, so Linda Cardellini coming back. So like he just... I would have been furious if they recasted Kingpin. No, yeah, honest, guys, yeah. I would have gone on strike. Or it's something. all about rights. I would have, I would have gone. Marvel strike. had to wait for two years after those shows were uh, finished on Netflix before they could use those characters themselves. So that's why they cancelled them all one after another because they needed to start that two-year time window. So it's pretty much that two years just ended recently, and that's why you're seeing Vin Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin. That's why you're seeing uh, Charlie Cox. Co uh, sorry, not Charlie Cox. It is. Is it who plays? Charlie Cox. Yeah, sorry, Charlie Matt Cox Murdoch. come back as uh, uh, yeah, Matt Murdock as Daredevil because the rights have optioned back to Marvel now from their net Netflix agreement. That's why you're about to see uh, all the shows leave Netflix because the rights are gone. But like, I I just think Marvel aren't in the business of recasting people unless they have to. 
And they, they, they look at the stories that have been built up already. You go, you got three seasons of Daredevil. You got two seasons of Punisher. Where you got two seasons, I think, of Jessica Jones. You got one season Defenders. You got one season that Abomination, Iron Fist. So, like, you have these. <laughs> but, yeah, like, yeah, Iron Fist and everyone. But um, uh, it's just I just think that Marvel are looking at the what's available to them. And I don't think they'll recast anybody unless they really, really have to. They'll bring a John Berntal in. And because like, like look at Punisher, look at Matt Murdock. These are characters that have been linked to Spider-Man for quite some time. Yeah, but they're not bringing back no fucking Iron Fist or anything. No, no, no. Well, not Iron after uh, Shang Chi, not after Shang Chi. Yeah, Iron Fist taste. should have been an uh, American Asian actor. Like, like if it was, it would have resonated more. It would have made more sense. It would have been the one, the perfect uh, occasions where you could have changed someone's race without anybody giving a fuck. None of the, the everyone would have been like, makes sense. Daniel Rand's an Asian American. His father is a wealthy immigrant. You could have had that whole background. So yeah. it would have made perfect sense. You could have really added layers on top to. Uh, to, be, to be honest with you, I, 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 you know, again, I want to be in the right side of history, yeah. especially with race <laughs> and stuff. And I, I do. I, I think jokes aside, but yeah. at the same time, stop just going to them like, clan rallies, then, dude. <laughs> I sell the bottled water. <laughs> <laughs> I make mo- I don't know how many times I need to explain this I supply the big crosses and I sell the bottled water yeah, I am not like involved directly like- <laughs> I oh may or may not set them on fire myself once <laughs> <laughs> the bottle war well, maybe uh, I, I, do, I do I, I do I do think that like you know John Bonatall and and uh, oh god yeah I thought I, I just can't get over how well Marvel do everything because I honestly god like I said I needed a street level show and then I needed it to be funny but I also needed it to matter I didn't need it to be a complete and total piss take yeah and it was it was all of those things oh. and more yeah. It just was. Uh, I, I, I will I, again. So I'm not just like literally sucking its dick for the entire fucking uh, podcast. Um, I picked up on basically everything as it was going along. I knew that uh, Kate's mother was going to turn out to be the bad guy. I knew that, that the stepfather to be was probably not as bad as he's been led. Although I didn't, I didn't fully get that. He was he's just, too comedic to be a villain. He was eccentric and weird yeah. as he seemed. There was nothing more to him than yeah. that. Um, and I knew, I knew, I, I felt Kingpin was coming in. And uh, so I spotted all those things. So I, like, I suppose just again, not to suck, suck a stick. I, I, I felt like it wasn't quite as like crafty as it probably thought it was in those capacities. But in terms of entertainment, the Pym particle arrow on yeah, the bridge. On the bridge. Oh it, my God. Hook it up to my veins. <laughs> All I want. The nothing arrow. The nothing yeah. arrow. You know, the, 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 the sticky arrow. He used that later on. He used it later on. I know. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I would love it. If I was literally just like, you know, again, like, it was like pure joy. The winds, are, the, the winds are going 90 miles an hour. You're 300 feet away and I'm holding an arrow and I'm going like, that's how dangerous I am. I still, I'm going to hit you. And the arrow hits the windshield and you're thinking, what's it about to do? <laughs> and that, that's the arrow effect. I'm about to like swerve off the road or something <laughs> because I'm waiting for the thing to happen. What, what, what? That to me is just like, if somebody said, I've got like an explosive arrow, 
an acid arrow, a, a jelly arrow, blah, blah, blah. And I've got this psychology arrow. <laughs> I'd be like, Ooh, what I does love, it do? And it was like, oh, the psychology. Yeah. I love uh, how uh, uh, they showed uh, Hawkeye's ingenuity. I mean, he makes all his own arrows later on in the show when he makes all the trick arrows. Because like one thing I really liked about Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is that we got to really see the genius behind Peter Parker in those movies. Like, especially when he's figuring out like how to make the suit, how to do the webbing, all that, and um, Amazing Spider-Man 1, that you really got to see the ingenuity behind the character, what makes him special, not just his abilities. Like, Hawkeye is not just good with a bow, that he's got, like, a real genius about him, too. Like, the way he constructs those arrows, he, like, looks at the situation, and he goes, what what will I need? If I need to, if I'm going into a, a building, what are my enemies going to be like? What way am I going to counteract their strengths? Yeah. And that's what I love about Hawkeye because people don't realize how strategic he is because in the moment he'll go oh shit I need this arrow I need this arrow I need this arrow and he's like oh shit I'm about to go off the side of a building what arrowhead do I need you, that, you know what I mean like, so great with the first Avengers he had that like he had a trigger button yeah. on, a, on a ball which again doesn't need a trigger button but he actually like one two three and that was his you know whatever arrow was he called was changing the quill. and again do yeah. you forget that he was he was kind of close to their Batman character as in the guy that could drop in and More just green take arrow. care of business. Well, yeah, actually, yeah. Well, I suppose I was trying to put him on a, a higher tier because of what he's actually, like, what he's existed in. Uh, but, awesome. yeah, you're right. Yeah, Green Arrow is awesome. It just yeah. we haven't seen him exposed to the same things what you've seen Cliff Burton exposed to. Yeah. But I, I, he, he was, I, again, it, I, you love that kind of, like, uh, character without powers who is just kind of like trying to stay ahead of the curve and has to work extra hard he says in age of ultron showing this doesn't he I was just, in this one i always thought like when i watched avengers it was like all right tony hall uh sorry tony stark and tony hawk tony stark <laughs> and, uh, different, yeah, movie. Tony, different movie <laughs> yeah, sick, yeah. oh my god he's skiing from oh, oh my god he's dividing all the tires he's skating oh my god oh my god is that an alley he's doing a 720 oh my god <laughs> they don't bank quite so well and he's like going around on his skateboard and you just see this big mass of the white and then coming after him and like tony hawk just like banks around <laughs> a movie, but i'm on board i'm clearly on board <laughs> but i i do I, I do think he was kind of their the unsung hero and i do think that he got maybe some jews that he was too yeah. he, he, he was he was such an iconic original avenger and this and this and they said and they didn't even try to like put him on a pedestal they just yeah. tried to give him credit he never put like they didn't try to make him like a world level threat because mm. i feel like kingpin got an upgrade in this he yeah. was able to kick the shit out of people the way he wasn't before but the jeremy renner was just yeah jeremy renner was genuinely just executed better and again my favorite scene of the whole thing was the larping it just genuinely was <laughs> i just thought with jeremy renner's portrayal of hawkeye and this you got to see a seasoned actor playing a seasoned character and it yeah, just meshed perfectly you know he just he knew exactly what that character needed in the same way marvel did he knew how to like give like every little scene that little moment like like he really was able to humanize and like the timer he's like do you want to see the new suits they got delivered and he goes i really want to see the new suits but not right now it's kind of like do you ever get like you're just exhausted you're just like i really want to do it just just let just let me just close my eyes for a second yeah i just thought like he fed that exhausted worn hero so fucking perfectly in this show like you really did and like it just in those moments you're just like you, you got to see what it's like for an avenger at the end of the day after a battle what are they like when they go home when you don't have superpowers how do you like how bad a shape you're in you're like a boxer that just went 100 rounds with an alien mike tyson yeah. 
You know yeah, what I mean? If I could make a comment real quick on that, what you're talking no, about. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> Next point, please. Sorry, we'll go ahead. But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, another criticism we get in the industry about Marvel is that, you know, the only reason why the actors do these kind of things are paychecks, right? That you hear that all the time. Like, like when Ethan Hawke recently signed on to Moon Knight, you know, a lot of people looked back in the past at his, I wouldn't say anti-Marvel comments, but his very, you know, skeptical, cynical view of Marvel, right? Like, like, oh, I think everybody just does those like they do Westerns. They do their, they do that one for the money, you know, and then he does Marvel and everyone's like, oh, he, he finally got enough money to do it. It's like, we kind of forget that a lot of these actors are actors. They enjoy doing jobs. They could probably get money, more money doing something else, you know, because in, of their name. He was in Daybreakers. He shouldn't judge anybody. Well, right. But I guess my point is, is <laughs> I said it. If you're, if, you're, if you're a great actor, right? Like, why wouldn't you want to play a role like Hawkeye at this stage? Like, he should be allowed to change his mind as well, Ethan Hawke. Back to your point. He should be well, allowed exactly. to change his mind. Yeah, it, that's what drives me nuts. It's it's always like, oh, they're just they're just in it for the money. All these big stars, like they're just cashing that Marvel paycheck. And I'm just like, have you ever really stopped to think about maybe the fact that these characters are intriguing and they actually mean something to people? Like, that's the thing that I think made him Jeremy Renner keep coming back is because he was really pissed about Avengers One. Mm. He, I mean, I remember in interviews he was like, I didn't sign up to be a zombie for eighty percent of this movie. Like, I wanted to be this character. That oh, did he really say that? Uh, yeah, he yeah was, I, I won't be as involved as yeah. Yeah, he was like, I signed up for a character, not this. Yeah, and then they they overcorrected a little bit too much. On, he was the soldier um, villain of uh, uh, Loki was uh, the cerebral villain, and Hawkeye was pretty much just the soldier villain, wasn't he? For eight yeah. the movie, yeah, and then and then you know, uh, but they they found a way to eventually just make him this really interesting character and and as an actor why wouldn't you want to play that you know what i mean it's like i i refuse i refuse to see that you know sure are there maybe a couple like you know i mean robert Downey jr sure he he was in spider-man homecoming because you know, he got to work for five days and got $18 million. I'm sure that was a money move as opposed to like, I really need to continue the Tony Stark character. Yeah. I'm sure it exists. And there are definitely <laughs> actors that have done that. I mean, most notably it was the two heavies. Uh, there was Hugo Weaving, who was like, I hate this Marvel thing. I just did that for the money in Captain America one, which is why he never came back. Right, and then, uh, and then Christopher Eccleston, you know, he was like, yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't even know why I'm doing this. You know, it was just a payday for him. It exists, yes. But, like, you just don't, like, you just don't see this kind of dedication. I mean, we've definitely seen actors. I I was just talking off mic about, you know, I watched the three Rush Hour films, you know. Um, You know, there was, Chris Tucker was a rising star when Rush Hour came out. Jackie Chan was trying to break into the American market. They had an unexpected hit, you know, that made $300 off a $30 budget. They made a sequel that was better than the original but then they waited seven or eight years and and they made rush hour three which was very clearly like let's just get the gang back together and make the laziest money maker we can make they're not even trying not even jackie chan is trying in that movie which is like oceans 13 yeah it's 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 you can tell when someone's phoning it in for the money like bruce willis in the last 10 years nobody phones it in better than bruce willis exactly like and you know, I, I don't see that with these Marvel films. I actually think they want artists in these films and they get artists that and they give them characters that are worth playing. Yeah, so that's all I wanted to say is that Hawkeye is an example of that because Jeremy Renner is 
giving i mean he's a great actor two-time oscar nominee he's always good in everything yeah i think he gives one of the best performances of his career in this show yeah and i'm not every episode he's like 10 out of 10 in every episode every episode like he's so good like that's what i'm saying like he gives that character every single thing he needs at the exact moment in the same way marvel did with him and giving him the show when he needed it because of all the things that happened before the show and all the things he was dealing with you know but i think like uh, if people think that like marvel characters are just for the money whatever and hugo weaving didn't like playing red skull or whatever if he doesn't understand that there's so many layers to that character he's the literal evil manifestation of the Aryan mindset that's what the red skull is the evilness of it and if, if Hugo even doesn't understand that character, that's just a lack of understanding his part and not any failure of the character itself. You know, and I it's think that's a, the problem, you know. Yeah. I, 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 it's an industry thing, too, because let's look at um, Scarlett Johansson yeah. had one of the best years in terms of acclaim in 2019. She got two Oscar nominations for Jojo Rabbit and Marriage Story, and then she was in Endgame. I could argue, and it's happening this year with Andrew Garfield as well, Um you know, people automatically discount her performance at Endgame and praise up the other two. I think she's equally as excellent in all three films, but she will always be looked down on for that genre comic book role, even though she's just as good. Black Widow is a character that has had a lot of issues. Extremely complex. Very complex, but when they started it, you have to admit, in Iron Man 2, she was there for the sex appeal only. Oh, she really. was a whole yeah, I want one. I yeah. want one. Yeah, she's exactly. a You know what it was? There was that, that, that famous... I, yeah. Sc- they, you know, Scarlett Hansen's probably the most beautiful, aesthetically beautiful uh, woman person, in the world. Morning, and then, yeah. again, she had that real cool scene. And don't get me wrong, like the aesthetics and the actual... Yeah, uh, the, the the cinematography. What's the word I'm looking for? But it was it was really really good. It was really on point. But then there was that I want one, and you're absolutely right. It was a physical appeal. Yeah, but there was right. that and, scene and they, where it evolved. Yeah, because of Scarlett. It evolved. What, I because, think yeah, was... I'm attracted to Scarlett Johansson. No, I think told that's... that someone's womb was taken out of them. Yeah, no, I it, think you I, know the role Scarlett Johansson was casting was the perception of her at that time. Because Scarlett Johansson in that moment was just literally, she was a sex symbol. That's what people knew her as. She was a beautiful woman that was able to do these things like, you know, action set pieces or whatever. But because Scarlett Johansson evolved and because of our exposure to her grew over time, that we actually mm-hmm. got to see Scarlett Johansson as the actor and not just the sex symbol. Yeah. Because she's beautiful. Yeah. Like, look, her is my perfect example. of. She's not in that film at all on screen once. She's every bit as good in that movie as Joaquin Phoenix. Every bit. And that's yeah. when you look at a, a movie like her shows Scarlett Johansson is actually a world-class actor. And that's one of the things that really opened up for me when I seen that movie. And she, I was like, she actually owns a lot of these scenes and she's never yeah. in them. That chemistry she shares, just the use of her voice, her little inflections. She's a very talented actor. And like, and I think the MCU and Marvel got to see that through other roles. And they're like, let's give her more meat on the bones. Let's give her exactly. more meat on the bones. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I'm saying though, but it'll always be looked down on. Yeah. Like I said, three amazing roles that year two of them oscar nominated and we're seeing it with andrew garfield this year because he was phenomenal in tick tick boom he was phenomenal in eyes of tammy faye and he was also phenomenal in spider-man but he will never get the credit for being phenomenal in spider-man because it's a comic book film he's the heart of that movie no he he rest i mean he was so good in that movie when they when they showed you what spider-man with andrew garfield can be under the right direction Mm. he they resurrected that i mean Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man films were a joke. They were the joke of like these first are the shitty ones. I hate for no first. A second one's better than the first one. That's not Ooh. saying much, but that's another thing. 
but that's not saying much but I, i'm just saying Ooh. but but he was so good in that movie that they were like let's give him another one like you know what i mean like, but it th- those kind of performances no matter how good they are because scarlett Johansson in endgame is phenomenal like I, yeah. i'm sorry like she has some amazing moments in that really moments yeah and some and sometimes andrew and, and andrew garfield in spider-man has some amazing moments but this industry will never recognize that because of what Ethan Hawke said. It's like people just think it's a paycheck thing. And I, I'm just pointing to people. I'm like, and then like, he like, read oh. the Moon Knight script and goes, oh, wait, maybe it's not a paycheck. Yeah. And that's, and, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, people yeah. have to open their minds, like the way Ethan Hawke obviously yeah. has. Of course, he's getting yeah. paid millions. He gets paid millions all the movies. He's been an A list actor for 20 years now, pretty much. So, like, Ethan Hawke's always going to get paid. It doesn't matter. So, when he sees a Moon Knight script and he's probably like, shit i had some preconceived notions and like maybe one part of marvel doesn't suit me maybe this doesn't suit me but moon knight this is very intriguing this is a guy with like dissociative identity disorder it's like based in egyptian lore mythology there's like lots of layers maybe he's like oh wait i should have given these a second chance and there actually is a character that speaks to me and he changed his mind and i think that's fucking good he should be applauded for it because he's like oh i'm wrong I guess I'm wrong. Maybe that doesn't appear to me, but this definitely does. And he's able to put his name and face to it. And that yeah. just shows. Yeah, and, yeah, and, it, and it, it's, and this is why, and I'm, I'll circle it back to Hawkeye. Of course. This is why I can say with a straight face. Ethan Hawkeye, the, I said it. Well, Ethan Hawkeye. But this is one of the, this is one of the reasons why I can say this with a straight face. I can say, if you look at Jeremy Renner's filmography, this is one of the best things he's ever done as an actor. To not, kill a messenger not, is really good too. He's really yeah. No, I mean he's. I mean he's so I'm reliable. The, the best born identity, as everyone agrees. Oh, I have. <laughs> seen it. I have no idea. <laughs> it's not the best. He's so, he's so he's so reliable. And, Hence my know, joke. I know. I was just feeling weird. Oh, I, I see. It's sarcasm. I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. We we had the uh, we have this thing called healthcare and sarcasm. <laughs> trust me. Trust me. I'm a I'm a teacher. I teach seventh grade, so I teach twelve and thirteen year olds. Sarcasm is an idea that they don't quite understand yet because I will say something. But they're getting sarcastic. there. They're getting there. <laughs> they're getting there. But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, is that they're seventh grade like, Americans, so they have about twenty years of life to figure it out. They'll have. So they have. Noel making a sarcastic joke and then Vinny explaining it. That's my life every day because I make a sarcastic joke. And then you have a student that will be like, that's not true, Mr. Johnson. That's actually this. And I'm like, I know that's the Ugh. point. That's the sarcasm. I question. Yeah, you see those things like... Uh, oh, I, I, want, I, I, just, I just want to throw one thing to you, right? So we looked at like the performances. We talked a bit about Kate Bishop. We talked about Haley Steinfeld. We talked a, it touched a bit about Florence Pugh, Lynn Belova, and how the casting was a real backbone of Hawkeye. And, like, and uh, what did you think of like the progression we got to see with Kate Bishop, her origin story uh, during the Battle of New York. And we got to see uh, Yelena uh, Belova's return, Florence Pugh. I fucking, I absolutely love Florence Pugh. I could look at her all day. Not just because she's beautiful, because she's fucking so charisma, uh, charismatic. She, she's so, just the way she uh, interacts with the camera. Like I mentioned about Salma Hayek earlier. There's just something about certain actors, the way they interact with the camera, that is like they're looking directly at you or something. And it's like they're hypnotic. Like, you know what I mean? Well, just... yeah. And, and on the shallow side of things, this is one of the, for me as a straight male, mm-hmm. this has to be one of the hottest casts of all time for me i mean like because it would just be like oh there's kate bishop i have a massive crush on her oh my god there's florence Pugh. i have a massive crush on her. oh vera Farminga, she's so beautiful and then yeah. uh, alakwa cock i mean uh is that any alakwa i think so. i haven't i haven't heard yeah, this she is, yeah echo she is so gorgeous like i just 
the whole she's so intense like, echo so intense yeah. though she really is yeah. like that's what she said about the way she interacts with the camera like those yeah. screenshots where she talks about her father said to her watch people watch what they do and you can actually see her conveying that every single time they do a close-up where she's mm-hmm. constantly breaking people down like when she's talking to kazi she knows within a moment that he's guilty she knows from his, she's looking at him and she's like, because you can see the look she gives him. It's like, she's looking right through his bullshit. And that's what she does. That's what I love about it. And that's when she realized. I went to the toilet. Did I come back into the past? <laughs> but, you know, that's, <laughs> but that's when you know that she's, she looks and she uh, sees Clint Barton. When he t- shows her his face, he takes off the Ronin mask and she sees that he's actually telling the truth. That she, because she can see through the bullshit, the inherent bullshit of the world. I love it. He actually yeah. evolved his um, uh, signing, you know, as in he had enough respect for it as well that he had literally just improved yeah. to the point where, he, again, he, he wasn't like as fluent as, and it's a quite, can we all agree? It's an, a very beautiful thing. When somebody is just free flowing, ASL, yeah, it's uh, amazing. Millicent Simmons in the quiet place. It's it's so beautiful when you actually see it in free flow. But at the same time, he was uh, there was a a point earlier on where he kind of goes, uh, uh, "Me want cookie" or something like that, because he was only recently hearing impaired and and he hadn't learned shit and it probably didn't need it to the degree that she did obviously it's a little fuck you as well you know and then and then it was him where he actually explained to her that he had got the call that that you know that he knew he was going to be there and i i always thought that was again a very pertinent scene mm. again i i i think if i was to run the scale for myself personally it would run between um uh, sorry, the second Transformers film, and maybe even this Hawkeye series for Dark film, the Moon, for something that for something that was an elastic band of emotion. Yet one thing fails so epically that it's my barometer to one thing that succeeded so epically that it's my barometer. Yeah. And I, I, I do. I every time I feel like they just like they were just being goofy, really, really goofy. And now, and now, shit matters. Like now, somebody's lost somebody. Now, somebody is carrying pain. And I care. And I'm like, oh, man, that's hard. It's hard to do. You're, there's only so many times that somebody can like run that gambit. But this did it extremely well. And, and again, had those lovely there's moments. Like what, yeah. like what Vinny was talking about again, when he just, when, when he reveals himself, because yeah. he wanted her to know that it was him. I always thought that was, that had a huge amount of gravity. Yeah. And there were so many jokes that got us there. That it's not that you would think it, it should be a bit comedic, but it's not. It was able to do it. And again, like, you know, you watch Everyone Loves Raymond. It's a comedy. It's it's a comedy. And yeah. if you watch like, you know, CH, um, CSI or something like that, and it's, don't get me wrong, there's some sarky comments, but it's not. It's, yeah. it's serious. And this was able to, and that itself is storytelling. That's yeah. amazing. It's craft. It's, this is. It's craft. It is. It just is. <laughs> This is why I'm saying it's not fair to say assembly line in a negative context because it takes skill. No, to it's do not. This. No, it's not. I agree yeah. with you. Will a hundred percent with you. It just it just takes skill. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I have because there were so many Marvel projects this year. There were a couple that did not work for me uh, overall. Like for instance, um, uh, some of some of the worst universe building instincts happened like with what if like I was on board for what if when it was an episodic one off story 
per week. And then in the last three weeks, they're like, let's make this a universe too. Yeah. And let's build up the multiversal Avengers. And I was kind of like, yeah, but you're kind of, you're, you're kind of stripping the power of the story to make it something that you can bring back in the future. And that was kind of bad for me. And then when, when Loki, when they decided that one was going to be a multi-season show, as opposed to one miniseries, there was a lot of a lot of just over exposition and setup. Um, I mean, as much uh, you know, uh, as much as meeting Kang was exciting, when you really sit down and think about it, I mean, it was the last episode. I mean, there's like 17 minute dialogue sequence of him just explaining everything, and you're kind of like, well, there's better ways to do this, but you're only doing this so you can set up a season two. Yeah. Instead of you know, so they have had these issues so like i'm not you know even though i am a marvel shill i i criticize it where it deserves criticism and as noel is saying i think hawkeye just balances so well it just balances so, well. so many different story elements that's why i can honestly say i'm trying to rank them in my head because i really love shang chi because of well, the, you see, and the problem is you probably put it into tiers as well isn't it you know yeah yeah uh, for sure and i guess the only tier that really matters is how much you loved it overall yeah. Like like like, yeah. like stop getting into compartments. Pure enjoyment. And how much did you love? Yeah, pure enjoyment, and and yeah. like stop compartmentalizing it. Just to keep it simple. It was kind of like Marvel knew what the world needed at that exact moment. They're like, this is what we have for you in December, this time of the year. Everybody for the past two years in lockdown, whatever Corona, and they're like, you know what we got for you? We got you two big fucking Christmas presents, and they're just gonna be a lot of shit's gonna be wrapped up in here. But when you open them up, you're gonna feel nothing but unbridled joy. And that's what Hawkeye and Spider-Man No Way Home were for me, I think. Yeah, so I, you know what? I guess, you know, not comparing then, I, I guess um, I guess I would go Spider-Man and Hawkeye were the best products they put out in terms of uh, having the least amount of flaws. Because as much as I love Shang-Chi, there is some origin story elements that uh, are a little predictable. And then Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think, could have been effectively four episodes instead of six. Yeah. So... So I can say maybe on a craft level, yeah, I'd go Spider-Man and Hawkeye were the most successful entertaining wise. I mean, because even Falcon Winter Soldier, which I adore, and the final episode, I literally was like running around my house screaming when they reveal, you know, he's Captain America, you know, there were some tonal things that are not tonal things, but there were some um, pacing issues, like pacing issues here and there. And Shang-Chi is the same thing. Like you kind of knew where everything was going. There were some surprises along the way, but there was the downtime when it was there. Didn't you read? Yeah. So, so yeah, I would say in terms of execution, I think Spider-Man and Hawkeye are, are almost on the same level, which I think some people would be like, what are you talking about? But they are in terms of character development, impact, stakes, emotional delivery, and the craft of the storytelling. Those two, I mean, stood up amongst the 10 projects this year that came out or last year that came out. So, so I think so. We're kind of all but in a share of mind when you we look over Hawkeye, we look at all, we've all seen the same strengths, we've all seen the same uh, key elements of the story, the character development, and all the different progression. But before we get the fuck out of here, Will, because you've got a big game to go watch, um, I, I just want to ask you, like I always do, I just want to talk to you about the things that I, I think are really important in superhero movies or superhero shows or content is the set pieces and the aesthetics. And I think Hawkeye nailed both of them. But what do you think? Yes, action-wise, um, well, I do remember there being a lot of criticism that the first episodes are slow, which always pissed me off because it's called character development. Like you don't need an action set piece every 15 minutes, but what, what that does. Like a four hour movie, give them time. Yeah. Yeah. So what that does is those first two episodes, which are very action light, Mm. they 
instead of giving you like four scenes of mediocre action or middling action, it gives you that amazing chase sequence, you know, in the third episode where, you know, you're, you're going all over the city and you've got arrows all over the place and trains and blah, blah, blah. Like, and then of course it builds up to, you know, you know, the people will say it's the typical third act battle, but like that scene it's central in uh, uh, NBC, I think, what is it? Um, what's it called? Um, I can't remember the name of it, but uh, you know, where, where they film SNL and all that stuff, the NBC place. Oh, Rockefeller Tower or Plaza. Rockefeller, or yeah. Rockefeller Plaza. That is so fucking awesome, man. I mean, you've got people jumping out of buildings. You've got, as Noel was talking about with foot clan, you've got like 39,000 bros, you've got <laughs> seven, seven battles going on at the same time. Like, it the Russian builds, John Snow. Yeah, it, it it builds up its it builds up its 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 action sequences. It gives you quality over quantity, and I yeah. think you know, and and that is the best part because I, I know there's a couple of little things in between, but for the most part, there's two major action set pieces. Yeah. Uh, in this, that are phenomenal and they're great. And then in terms of costumes, um, you know, the playing with the idea of branding with Hawkeye, <laughs> you know, and you know, like you're never really going to get an outfit with him. It's kind of like the X-Men. Yeah. Like you're never, you're never going to be able to pull off a yellow suited uh, Wolverine. You know what I mean? So, you know, they did the best they could. And it actually fit in with the LARPing slash Kate Bishop's kind of childish Chandra. ideas of what a costume is. Cause like, yeah, Hawkeye's costume, even though it's comic accurate at the end, it's a little silly. But he knows it's silly. He's giving her a mulligan, just going, "Okay, I'll do this for yeah, you." Yeah, yeah. You know, in terms of Kate Bishop, I mean, she looks awesome. Like she, her outfit is realistic, but also comic accurate. Like perfect blend of sticking to the source material while also making it cool and and applicable and useful in society. So, she and then there's really, role I mean, perfectly, doesn't she, Hedy Stanford? Oh, she's amazing. And, uh, she's just likable. That's all yeah, she needed to oh, be. Of to she's likable. just likable. Yeah. Well, and here's, I have two criticisms, not criticisms, but like, for instance, like Haley Steinfeld, naturally just a very beautiful girl next door kind of, like you, like when I see her, like in Hawkeye, I can see someone like her existing in the real world. You know, oh, what I mean? like I can see yeah. her she's also literally stunning, a stunningly beautiful girl. Yeah, she's yeah. very beautiful. But what frustrates me a lot is like I follow her on Instagram. She'll she'll do the glamour thing where she'll put on loads of makeup and you know fancy clothes and stuff, and it just doesn't suit her. Like she yeah. is so much better natural, like a natural girl. Like, I have no comment on her looks. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I mean. She's gorgeous, but I'm just saying, like, what makes her so appealing is she feels real. You know what I mean? The 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 one thing I will say about the costumes, we talked about this off recording at when we were doing Eternals, is when she puts on the Ronin suit, it looks like Spirit of Halloween, like crappy, like like Ronin suit you would buy at the supermarket. You know, like it does not look right. And there's no way, like, if I am the tracksuit mafia and i see that ronan is back back, there's no way there's no freaking way i'm like that is clearly an imposter there's no freaking way that's ronan so that stretched my belief a little bit because they could have done i I mean i get it he's a bigger person yeah so like she's wearing oversized clothes but the fact that i had to buy into the fact that everyone thinks ronan's back when you clearly have a girl who's about 100 pounds lighter taller 
and thinner wearing this baggy outfit it was a little too much for me to believe she so. could have had the similar like uh remember in spider-man when he puts on his suit and it's baggy and he hits a button and it tightens up on him like yes. she could have easily yeah. done that like the technology's in the world they've already shown it like, yeah yeah you know yeah. she could have easily done that like um but no what did you think of the action and uh suits and shit action absolutely superb Un, un, unmistakable, undeniable, yeah. absolutely. I like it wasn't just it wasn't just scope. Like you know, action obviously makes you think of people being thrown out of buses and people fighting to get the last parachute, even when they're in free fall. It, it, it was that. It was fun. It was always fun, and um, I thought the action was just superb because I was always entertained, and that's all I care about. Because the scope can go from like world ending and it can just go to something yeah. obviously something less than that but it was just so much fun throughout yeah i just thought that the scope of it i just thought it was absolutely fantastic and i thought for the look the look of everything i thought they i like the fact that they flirted with i like the fact that they finally flirted with the initial idea of hawkeye like the, the comic idea the mask. Was when, i'm not worried yeah this. when they were using the larping guys i thought it was such an in, like a really cool genuine way to introduce that silliness in a way where we could have fun with it without mocking it but also not land on it mm. i thought that was just genius people again the larping aspect to me was just 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 my favorite thing of it so again no like, i I have to say I loved this property. I loved yeah. how it was done. And I like I've said to you, Vin, I I, I said off like I said off air, but was that um, I was ready for a grounded property and it delivered in spades yeah. because we'd gone um high concept in, in like literally like re- uh, reality morphing and then we got an even higher concept in time timeline morphing. And then we were like, yeah, well, where do we go from here? And it was like, wait, why do we not just go back down to ground zero? Yeah. Why not? We, yeah. And I I was so ready for it. And I'm actually grateful to the property. Yeah. And it just goes to show that the people behind, not just like behind the camera or behind that, behind that, behind that. Like there's there's some people who's kind of going, yeah, there, there are people who don't even make it on site. Who yeah. are making some good decisions, I really think. So, you know, for my, my opinion, I would be like, as I said earlier, and just they nailed it. Like, uh, my, what I loved about the action was you got to really see, um, the kind of like the, the kind of this power set of uh, Hawkeye and Kate Bishop. The one thing I hate is waste of resources when you don't use a character to its full, uh, full potential. And what Marvel or did in this movie and this show was in every action sequence, we got to see the different elements or the different strengths of Hawkeye as not just an art but as a hero and how he kind of takes out people or neutralizes people that's what i loved about it. and i loved the suit at the end we finally got to see him in the purple and black um uh the kind of comic comic book accurate kind of suit like but um yeah no so and not only the aesthetics of kate bishop and hawkeye their own suit and stuff but i love the look of echo um uh um What's her name? Maya Lopez or so. What was her actual character's name? Was yeah, was Maya, name. yeah, Maya Lopez. Uh, so I, I loved her look and I loved uh, uh, Yelena's look uh, when she came in and she was like fucking wearing like the kind of like splinter cell suit almost. It's like the night vision goggles and shit. And you kind of got they really with the action sequences. We got to really see the different styles of fighting, like the way Yelena fights and the way Echo fights and the way Hawkeye uses bow in different circumstances. That's why I loved about the action sequences that there was no wasted time in the action sequences that they got out the right characters in the right moments into the scene and they worked them to their fullest potential. And I think that's why the action kind of really popped 
popped for me and the, the pay marrow on the bridge was fucking awesome. But um, before you get let you get the fuck out of here, Will, give us your what if and uh, Noel, you give us yours. We just kind of, we'll shoot through this really quick because we let, let Will out here. I have a very selfish what if, but uh, they did a lot of teasing of Ant-Man in the series and we didn't get it. And I'm really mad <laughs> about that because, uh, I mean, he, he shows up in the episode one in the Broadway play. You get the Pym Tech arrows. You get the uh, Ant-Man on the street. Um, like there's a lot of Ant-Man in this, in this movie. And they are once again, real life coming into the fiction, like, you know, uh, Jeremy Renner and um, Paul Rudd were on the press tour for Endgame together. And it was just always fun. Like they just always had a great time. So I was hoping to see that chemistry um, it, on the screen, um, but we didn't get it. So that's my what if is just, just throw me a little Paul Rudd in there. Just give me like 10 <laughs> seconds of Paul Rudd. That's it's all I want. Paul Rudd. <laughs> no. Um, phrase the question to me again. We we're talking about our wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got distracted. <laughs> yeah, I got distracted by Paul Rudd and it just made me think about all the Paul Rudd things. But I, I mean, I suppose my what if would be, um, I suppose I would have liked to if it delved more into Kingpin, because I, I think he's such a huge character that I think they could have uh, delved more into what he was really up to, because yeah. he actually has, while he doesn't have a universal scope, I, also, I honestly God think he's like New York's Thanos or yeah. something like that, Do you know what I mean? Like literally huge, absolutely huge. Really the Thanos for... The, yeah, the Thanos for the the, the, the brawlers, the ta- Thanos for the guys who have to punch people in the face to take them down, albeit that they have like spider-like reflexes, albeit that they have iron fists, albeit that they are made of unbreakable skin, albeit anything. I always thought that they could have set that up a little bit more. But at the other time, that's it. Like, almost it. I, I mean, I could, I could, if I really wanted to get into the brushes, I actually just enjoy this property so much that, that that's just it. I just wish they had set up what I think is such a phenomenal character in Kingpin. That other, than that, other than that, I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely satiated. I really did. I really did love this property. And so you just want to see a bit more Kingpin. You want to see a bit more Ant-Man. King, Kingpin built up a bit more, you yeah. know? The, Kingpin built up a more, yeah. Yeah, no, I would have liked to see a bit more of uh, Kingpin and Maya's backstory. I thought that was the perfect opportunity to really show their relationship and the kind of focus she's more heavily on. She's getting her own show, though, so she's getting her own show, so yeah, echo probably about. get more of all of that. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's why I always tell Don on my show, like, in Kevin in Kevin Feige, I trust. You know, 100%. I mean, at, this, at this point, even, even despite my Age of Ultron gripes and What If and Loki... I, I still consider him basically 30 and 0 at this point and yeah. still undefeated. So, you know, I, I assume that we will get fleshed out Kingpin eventually. We will get fleshed out Echo. Everything will work itself out. So that's what Marvel do. Like, because all we're looking at is the little pieces, and Kevin Feige knows what the puzzle really is. You know what I mean? Really he knows. knows. Yeah. But um, yeah, my, my what if would be. Um, I really, really uh, got annoyed by the fucking LARPers at the end when they came out in their suits. I would have done away with all of that shit, but I, like that's a uh, no for me. I would I I just it's I, a nitpicky thing. It's fair, yeah, but it's yeah. nitpicky. Yeah, there's there's not really like a lot that I found wrong with the film, which is a great movie. fucking 
Yeah, it's because I, I love the I love the action. I love the way they caught the Christmas vibes. I love the the set pieces, the fucking funniness of it, the the kind of uh, tongue in cheek nature of it. But like, I just think uh, maybe actually, maybe what if maybe a bit more of uh, his relationship with his wife or something? I don't know. It's like, there's not really a lot wrong with it. It's like there's not really a lot of things that kind of made me go ugh, like you know. But like maybe yeah. touching on what like you said, no, a bit more kingpin. But the episode I would have done it in would have been like instead of just focusing on Maya's relationship with her father, we might have been able to see a bit more of her relationship with Kingpin in that kind of backstory. Um, Echoes, I think it was called. But um, I just think like that's that's really it. There's only little nitpicky things that I found wrong because like, I really I only watched it back very recently, like for this episode, and I just smiled the whole way through. It fucking flew by. It didn't even feel like four hours. Like I like it just it just flew by. It's just so fluid that um. I really can't see too much wrong with it. Like, so I just think a couple of moments with the LARPers kind of took me over a bit. Um, not the LARPing itself, but just the LARPers at the end. I thought they were a bit unnecessary. Yeah, that, yeah, gave yeah. You, that gave you the best line, though. Like, I laughed and rewound it twice. Is, is they come out and it's ridiculous. And you got Jeremy Renner stuck in a Christmas tree, which is also ridiculous. <laughs> he goes, eh, We're all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, that's a great line. Like, it's just like it, it, they even, even in the nitpicky part, they yeah. still find a way to redeem it by being funny as hell. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I just think, yeah. Cause like, I think the biggest gripe would be maybe a little bit more, a little bit more kingpin. But like outside of that, the nitpicky things for me would be the kind of the only grapes I had with the show because they gave every character sufficient screen time for them to be developed in the way they need to be developed in the show. So we knew all their motives and all the actions they took. So like that's the, usually the big grape I have with things and chemistry is not there or things aren't fleshed out correctly or if they missed out in the action. But all of those things are actually the strengths of the show. And so really the nitpicky things kind of that moment with the LARPers kind of took me over, even though Jeremy Renner saved the scene and you said like, we're all going to die. Like, you know, and that's kind of like what Hawkeye does in any moment. He kind of looks at it's kind of like an age of Ultron. He's like, none of this makes sense. There's like, there's robots out there and I'm a guy who got a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. And it's like, he's the kind of what the audience feels in that moment where he just kind of looks at a, 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 a kind of event or whatever's going on. He just goes, what am I doing here? <laughs> like, I'm a guy with a bow you know that was actually the catalyst of the show yeah. what kevin feige said he said that scene in age of ultron was the reason why they decided to make a hawkeye show is because it had that element of what we've been talking about yeah. grand epic fantasy with a grounded approach you know so yeah. indicative of why this series exists in the first place yeah so it might so my what if would just be the little nitpicky things that kind of took me over the moment and big like so because like, i i found very little wrong with it so what is your best and worst will use no mine and then we go here uh, sorry with me go ahead no yeah please will. no will oh right, well my, my best and worst would be best oh, wow i actually love this so much i think the best property might have just been the dynamics between kate and cliff I just thought the passing of the torch is never, may never be done as well. Yeah. It just, it was just absolutely spectacular. And I, even worse, I, I like this property so much that I even feel bad about like going worst. I feel like there's not much to really, really shit on. Mm. But I suppose I would have liked to have um, seen more of, wait, I, I remember to just randomly introduce the fact that he's able to make his own arrows and I found that took me over a bit it was like really it made perfect sense to me did it that he was mm. able to make like jelly arrows and shock arrows and absolutely no, he didn't make the jelly arrow um after he made arrows he had that before he made his own arrows I think 
But do you think he had the capabilities or that he... Because, like, Iron Man's whole thing was that he was... He had an IQ of about 500, yeah. ergo his power. I always remember when he sat there, I was kind of going... I, I would have liked if he had a ball to them. I, I didn't no. think he, I think his whole thing was that his skill level was it was introduced to a military complex and he tried to use that for good. Yeah, no, I and that I, was I, the only thing that took me out a bit. It's a small complaint. Yeah. No, I think um it made sense to me about the arrows because like if you're in a in a situation, he's constantly having to adapt to his environment. So imagine if he's been doing that for 20 years, like he said, like the last 20 years, my old fair. job is... No, 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 you know, yeah. It's kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that when they show the ingenuity. The right, not the pin particle arrow, for example. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. he wouldn't be able to say, right, this obviously calls from a pin particle arrow and I can make one of those. Because yeah. to be fair, they never set it up that that was the case. We well, already had that just anyway. being, Yeah. Oh, no, he had it, but he yeah. wouldn't be able to make one yeah. on, on, on the run. Uh, so, so to be fair, my my nitpick is a small nitpick, but uh, same that's as my me. own point. Yeah, it's such a good show. How <laughs> about you, Will? Uh, I'll be quick. Best is the casting. Worst is I could never figure out if the tracksuit mafia was a joke or a serious threat. So I would have liked that a little bit uh, clarified a little bit more because sometimes they were taken very seriously. And sometimes they were an utter joke. So I don't know yeah. how to take that. That's my only So tonally, the villains weren't on point a little bit. Well, yeah, because why would Kingpin want anything to do with a bunch of bozos? But then at the same time, Ronan felt they were important enough to wipe out completely. So yeah. <laughs> they, they kind of kind of fumbled that a little bit in terms of like, how seriously am I supposed to take these bozos? You do do I mean? you think all the idiots were just left? He's already killed all the, the, the top two. I mean, it could, that, could be it. that could be it. But that could have been a little bit sharp. In the writing, but they had so much stuff going for it that it's like I said, it's a nitpick. I really don't have anything I hate about this show. Yeah, um, for me, uh, my favorite thing would have been I'm like you with the cast and the chemistry between the lead actors. Like every single moment and every single scene, kind of just na- they nailed it. It's like that that scene, as I said to you earlier, the really serious overtones of or undertones, sorry, of Yelena being in Kate's uh, apartment because she's trying to glean in- information from her, and she's also like, trying to avenge her sister's death, but to do it over kind of like their share of macaroni or whatever and like i just think like every scene or even the elevator scene like you know what i mean like just like every scene was perfect in the terms of like the chemistry or the tone between the lead actors i know what well, i totally understand what you mean about the tracksuit mafia is like are we supposed to see these guys as a viable threat or are they comic relief so i understand that but like with the main characters i think the chemistry and the cast and and the way they implemented them in the scenes like the combinations of the characters like we're going to have a little bit of clint here a little bit of uh, uh k here and the way they just like paired up the characters and the scenarios and scenes that they put them in i thought was the strongest part about it and um the weakest part for me i thought was why the fuck would you lay in a thing clint killer like natasha it made no sense like her revenge mission to me made no sense and then there was like oh i'm getting paid to kill him it was a bit muddy was she killing him because he was just a job or because it was an event a revenge mission that was a bit muddy muddy for me uh because it would make no sense for Clint to ever kill Natasha or, or a boy. It's kind of like the uh, Asimov's laws. He could not ca- cause harm to her or no by, uh, by true in action uh, harm to be allowed to happen to her. Like, There's no framework for it. Yeah, it just it just made no sense. Like, And someone that Yelena who spoke to Natasha would have heard, known about her relationship with Clint. It just made no sense that she would think that Clint would be the one to kill Natasha or cause her death in any way. So that kind of made a little bit less sense to me than 
Like they, I think they thought it was like, oh, this makes sense. As a revenge, which is going to have to clean, but it didn't really kind of land for me. And then like when I, well, I did like though about the scene when he kind of broke her down, the how angry she was um at him for not being not for the action he she thought he committed, but for kind of stealing her rage from her because she wanted to hate him so much in that moment. She was so rageful against him mm-hmm. that when he broke it down to her, it made sense of the moment and showed how much she actually loved Natasha. And it all made sense to her that she was so angry that he stole her hate and rage away from her. That was a beautifully acted scene. But her revenge mission to me was a bit muddy, was like, because it makes no sense to think Clint would have killed Natasha or by any way caused her death. Like, so for me, that was the muddiest yeah. part about it. But um, do you have anything else to say on Hawkeye, dudes, or we get the fuck out of here? I, uh, I have to go do the American tradition of watching the Super Bowl. So I have to get the fuck out of here. Cool beans. Uh, so, uh, well, thanks so much for coming, man. That was a uh, really awesome uh, double oh, thank episode. Thank you. Yeah, I'm man. honored, and you guys are going to be on Cinefellas very soon, I promise. Looking forward to it, man. So I'm your host, Vince Green. I'm your host, Soldier Tui. And that was Will Johnson, and that was Dark Side of the Moon, and that was Hawkeye. So see you next time, motherfuckers. Peace. Peace.